One, two, hello. hello. Hey, everyone. Hey. hey, hey, hey. I'm Pastor Gabe uh, at the Warehouse Church, as Nat said, also here as well. Um, <laughs> that's fine. That's t- he, was, he was so embarrassed. He's like, I'm so sorry. It's fine. You know, if our pastors can play golf together, then clearly this is family either way, so it's fine. Don't worry about it at all. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say thank you to Pastor Wade and Pastor Claire for this opportunity, because to be trusted with a pulpit... That is a big responsibility, and I know no pastor takes it lightly, especially a pastor, you know, you're given by God ordained to look after your sheep, you are the shepherd. So to have somebody else speak, it's a big responsibility, so I'm totally honored, and I'd like to say thank you, Pastor Wade and Pastor Claire. And obviously, I would like to thank my pastors, Pastor Robbie, Pastor Donna, the ones who raised me, spiritually raised me. Without them, I wouldn't be as far along as I am in my journey. So I cannot start without giving honor where honor is due because it's biblically right to do so. And that is where I had to start just to say thank you to our pastors just for this opportunity. God is so good because I was, um, I was listening when Nat was talking and then when we were having the prayer, and I was like, oh, that's the scripture I'm gonna use. That's the scripture I'm gonna use. You just spoke about something I was gonna say, which is always a bit encouraging because sometimes you're like, did I hear right? Was that the message I was supposed to write? And when God gives you that reassurance, he's just saying, just trust me, I've got you. And today's title is, it shouldn't look like this. It shouldn't look like this. And I think we've all had experiences sometimes where, I mean, one of the ones I was talked about, as convenient as online shopping is, the product you see online and the product you get, sometimes you're like, this is not what I bought. <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is totally different. It doesn't look right. And we're going to, take to the Bible, and the story we're going to be talking about is Joseph. A lot of us do know Joseph, uh, but we're going to start in Genesis 37, 5 to 10. But just before we do that, we're just going to take a moment to pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this word. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you that Holy Spirit, you are here with us. We surrender this moment to you. We just pray that you open up our hearts so that the word that comes lands onto good soil. Show us how we can apply this word. We want to thank you that this is a word in season, that it's not words that I just wrote, but Father, it's words that come straight from the throne room of God for this moment, for this day. So we want to thank you that you're here with us and that as we go on, may we not make a movement, may I not say any words that you do not ordain or allow me to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So Genesis 37, 5 to 10. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said, hear this dream I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers, and he said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. That's just like younger siblings, isn't it? You did not learn the first time. How are you going to go back to the same brothers? But it's okay. There's grace for younger siblings. I say that being the youngest. (laughs) Behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? So for those who aren't really familiar, that's just, that's our main scripture, but we're just going to do a quick backstory on the story of Joseph. So Joseph was the youngest of brothers, and he was the brother that his father loved the most. 
because he was like, this is the youngest son I have. And he just loved him to the point where his, his dad made him a coat of many colors. His brothers didn't get one, but he did. As a sibling, that's favoritism. So obviously, we're going to have some friction. So the brothers had friction with Joseph, and they decided one day, you know what, let's kill him. We have had enough of this. Dad just loves him too much, doesn't take notice of us. We're going to kill him. And then one of the brothers said, no, we can't kill him. How about instead, we throw him in a pit and sell him into slavery? So Joseph was sold into slavery, and he was taken to Egypt and sold to Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard. Then the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph, so everything that he did succeeded. Potiphar saw this and gave Joseph control of everything he had. So from being sold into slavery, he was now working for Potiphar then. Because of the gift that God had for him, he found himself in a place where he was sold into slavery. He now had control over everything. And now it's looking kind of good. You're now kind of thinking, okay, the dream I had, I'm in a place I shouldn't be. I have control over everything and everyone until Potiphar's wife entered the mix. Joseph was a handsome young man. And Potiphar's wife decided, why not? You are, an, you are a slave, so you should follow my instruction. And she tried to lay with him. Joseph st stood by the law. He said, no, my God will not allow this. I'm not going to do it. You are my master's wife. It's against law. She was persistent. She was persistent until one day she grabbed him, took the coat off him, and then she screamed, Joseph tried to lay with me. And now Joseph found himself in prison. The guy who dreamed that my brothers are going to bow down to him, that the stars are going to bow down to him, found himself in prison. Surely he thought it shouldn't look like this. How can the dream that I have had, the dream that God gave me to say, my brothers, the moons and the stars are all going to bow down to me, but here I am in prison. First, I was in a pit. And then from the pit, it got good again. So I thought I'm on the right process. I'm on the right trajectory, only to be in prison. It shouldn't look like this. And then God gave Joseph favor with the prison warden. You see how God can still give you favor and control in surroundings that were meant to hold you captive? That's just a little side note. We'll get back to that later. So while he's in prison, the king's cupbearer and baker are sent to prison. They had two dreams that needed interpreting. Joseph asked them, why do you look so downcast? And they said, we've just had two dreams. We don't know what they mean. And he said, does interpretation not belong to God? So he interpreted the first one for the cupbearer. The gist of the dream was, it's okay, in three days, Pharaoh is going to promote you back to your previous position. Then the baker thought, well, that's great. That's a good dream. Interpret mine, only to find out in three days, he's going to be beheaded and die. And in three days, so did the interpretation come to pass. The cupbearer was promoted and the baker was put to death. And Joseph just had one request. Please remember me for what I've done for you. When you were back with Pharaoh, Tell him that I am here and I'm un unjustly here just so that I may be free. The baker forgets. Two years goes by. Two years goes by until one day the king has a dream. Then Joseph interprets it. F fine, no, sorry, I jumped a step. My apologies. King has a dream. All the wise men in the land could not understand what this dream meant. And then eventually, two years later, the king's cupbearer remembers Wait, Joseph in prison interpreted my dreams correctly. What he said came to pass. So Pharaoh says, bring him in. Joseph interprets the dreams. And what Pharaoh says to his servants is, can we find such a man as this, a man in whom the spirit of God is? So Joseph is made governor of the land with Pharaoh, the only person higher than him, 
with that, uh, and nothing happened in the land without Joseph's say-so. Now, so in Genesis 42, 6, it says, Now Joseph was governor of the land. He was the one who sold to all the people, and Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. His brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. That happens in Genesis 42. Joseph had his dreams in Genesis 37. When Joseph had the dreams, he was 17. When Joseph got made governor, he was 30. That's a long time. Which, to be fair, people are worried about their 30s. I'm like, Joseph became a king at 30. Jesus did his miracles in his 33s. So surely, amen, Lord, bring on my 30s. (laughs) It shouldn't look like this. The dream happened at 17. The promise happened at 30. There were highs. There were lows. There were times where he's in prison. There's times he was falsely accused. There were times where I'm sure he would have thought, Surely, Lord, it shouldn't look like this. So what do we do when God gives us a promise and the journey to the promise looks so different than what the promise says? Because in that moment of the pit and in slavery, what is the way out? Lord, you told me this. Lord, you said this. But do you see the moment in where I am? Do you see me sat in this pit? Lord, you promised That that family I would have one day. Well, Lord, here I am, still waiting. Lord, I'm praying for this job. We're praying for a move. Do you see that every job that I go into, the door just keeps closing and closing? It shouldn't look like this. Habakkuk 2.3 says, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come it will not delay. Everything that was said this morning, this is why I said God is so good because we're talking about God is faithful to his word. Regardless of what the situation seems like. And I don't say that lightly because sometimes we are in very bad situations. It really shouldn't look like this. Joseph was in a pit. Joseph was in prison. You could be saying my family left me. Nobody seems to understand this new life that I'm now living. The people that I knew turned their backs on me. I'm not sure if I fit in with these people who I'm around now. But God says the vision is for an appointed time. The journey does not erase what God said. Though the journey can seem bleak, it can get difficult. There will be highs, there will be lows. But what stands above all things is the word of God. Because the Bible says God is a man so he cannot lie. And he's also not a man, so he changes his mind. So when he says something, there will be times you may find yourself in a pit and you may be thinking, it really shouldn't look like this. But in that moment, you need to remember that it's not about your situation, it's about what God said. Because God's word will prevail over anything and everything else. Regardless of what people will tell you, regardless of how the situation seems, God's word will prevail. It's just a journey that sometimes we have to take. And sometimes we may not understand why that journey we're taking it. But there is a reason, because I thought about it and I looked at it and I said, if Joseph was always in Potiphar's house, would the cupbearer have had the opportunity to tell Pharaoh about Joseph interpreting dreams? 
I'm not saying that's true. Like I said, I need to study that. But looking from what I read, it's he had to be in prison to be given that opportunity, which then exalted him in order for that dream to come to pass. So, so we, we sing that God is God of the hills and valleys. But he's a God who makes all things work for your good. So even when you're in that low point, there is something that he's either doing within you or in your surroundings to ensure you get to the place that he's called you to be. And that's where sometimes we just have to hold on to his word. There's nothing else to hold on to. Our feelings are telling us to run. Our family is telling us we're crazy. Your body is telling you, find your own way to do it. But God says, hold on to my word because I will see you through. Because what I say and what I declare over you is truth. My promises are yes and amen. Anything that God says to you, you need to hold on to that promise with the faith to say, I may not see it now, but he said it, so it's going to come to be. Your past, your inexperience, your thoughts, your personality, you may think, I know that's what God has said, but it shouldn't look like this. That's the good side of it shouldn't look like this. Because we, we find Christ. He transforms our life. He changes us. He gives you calling, gives you purpose. He emboldens you, he gives you courage. He wants you to step out and you think it shouldn't be me. Surely it can't be me. Do you know the things I've done? Do you know the things I've said? I never thought this could be me. I'm telling you, I would have thought this shouldn't be me. But the fact is when God has a word over you, there is a reason for that. Because you are an answer to people's prayers. The point you were created is after a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit comes to empower you to serve and to do the calling that you've been called out to do. So you can think that as well. It shouldn't look like this. I can't be the one who's expected to galvanize all these people. I can't be the one with the ideas that will bring revival, that will affect our community. Yes, yes, it should be you. Because if God says it's you, that's the final word over everything. He's the God who created you. He knows exactly what he put inside you. Imagine trying to tell your own creator, I don't have that within me. <laughs> kind of doesn't make sense. A cake telling a baker, sorry, actually, there's no salt in here. And the baker's, I put the salt in. They're my ingredients. Your personality, your thoughts, everything was made intricately. The Bible says you were formed intricately. That was with perfection, with care. So you may think it shouldn't look like this. I can't be the one who's asked to speak. I can't be the singer. I cannot lead worship. I cannot preach. And God looks at you and said, it's not about what you see, what your surroundings say, what people say. It's only about what I say. Because above all things, it's God's word that holds true. See, sometimes we think, okay, you know, these great leaders, they had it all. Moses was someone who thought it shouldn't look like this. But my brother speaks better than I do. I committed murder in Egypt and ran. I can't be the leader of all the Israelites. And then when he listened and he led the Israelites, one thing I learned is, did you know God sent the Israelites the long way around? So, which to me, I was like, if God said go to London, I'm not going to go through Birmingham. I'm going to go straight through down the M4. So, if God was like, no, go through Birmingham and come back down, I'm like, no. That's the long way around. Why are we taking this long journey? But the problem is, along that shorter route, there were armies that the Israelites were not ready to face. And they would have been discouraged. So though it shouldn't look like that, 
God had a reason, and it was a reason to protect them, a reason to prepare them, so that when they reached where they were going, they were ready to win those victories. Though if they'd gone the way that it looked, they were in trouble. So that goes for you, it shouldn't look like this. It should have happened a lot sooner, should it really? What dangers is God protecting you from? Sometimes it could be about your own character. Sometimes God needs to build a character within you to say, now is not the time. I'm trying to give you that patience. I'm trying to give you that understanding to really lean on my word. Because something that's always said is, are you actually ready for the blessings that God has for you? Will you be able to steward them well? Because God asks us to be good stewards. But if we're not in a place where we're really prepared and ready, what is supposed to be a blessing will actually cause us harm. And the whole reason is God wants to give us good things. So he may withhold it and it might not look how it should look, but in the end, it's all for your good. Amen. Amen. Then you had Abraham and Sarah. They were given a, they were given a promise. They were given a promise. And they said, yes, Lord, we'll wait on it. We'll wait on it. We're still waiting on it. God, you're good, but we're still waiting on it. Until the point it was like, you know what? Maybe if we were to make it happen ourselves. Because God said, so we see the outcome. Why don't we just make our own way to the outcome? But the danger in that is, God's, though God blessed Ishmael, he still said, that's not where my promise is coming from. And we should never have to force the hand of God. Because in that moment, it's, I'm now placing the trust within myself. And that's a dangerous place to find yourself. And God doesn't want that for either one of us. Because he wants us to have the fulfillment of the blessings he's promised. But that only comes from a place where we trust and we wait on him. We have to wait on the Lord. Then we have Paul. Paul was the one going around persecuting all the Christians. Anyone who was a follower of Jesus, Paul was there ready. He would travel all different places just to commit murder for those who believed in Jesus. Now we talk about Paul as one of the greatest apostles there is. Surely not. It shouldn't look like this, right? People even said it. Is this not Paul who persecuted us? He can't be the one. This way we said your past. Once God has a hand on you, your past becomes irrelevant. Once God calls you, anything you have done, your own beliefs, the things you may have thought, they become erased and you become a new creation in him to do what it is he's called you to do. So what is it in your life that you think it shouldn't look like this? Where the promise seems so far away. It's a great promise. It's a wonderful promise. But right now, I feel like I am in the depth of the pits. I feel like I scream and no one hears me. I feel so alone. I feel as though I don't have purpose. I don't have belonging. The exact opposite of what God said. But we said it earlier. Where you're at is not the end. If you have not seen God's promise being fulfilled, that means you're not done. There is still a process that he's taking you through. And sometimes it's in that moment to just stop, reflect, and be like, okay, Lord, 
what is going on? God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your emotions. He knows them anyway. He hears what you're thinking. He sees what you're feeling. And sometimes we think we have to bottle it up and just sugarcoat a prayer. Christianese, I like to call it. It has to sound nice. It just has to sound nice. I'm really hurting, but oh God, you are good, which is true. Please don't take this, I'm saying he's not. He really is good. But sometimes we try to put our emotions in a back seat. God says, cast all your anxieties, every single feeling as it is. So why would you hide it from him if he sees it anyway? But in that moment, you can go to him in your respectful rage. Let's not just all scream because respect is very important. I call it respectful rage. (laughs) I will go before God and I will say, well, I don't like this. This is what you said. It doesn't look like this. Well, you said I should go talk to this person. Did you see the way they talked to me back? (laughs) But that conversation is the relationship that Jesus died for in the first place. To say, come to me, bring everything to me. So in that season where you're saying, it doesn't look like anything you said. God is not afraid of you going to him to say, this is your word. Remind him of his word. This is what you said. This is what I'm seeing. What's going on? And in that moment, he might tell you, you know what? I just need to do this because of X, Y, Z. He might do that. I'll also put a little asterisk. He might not say anything. But in that moment, it's a faith that's being produced within you. Because that pushes you to learn to trust and only lean on his word and him alone. And we all know that with the faith of a mustard seed. With the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be be thy removed and cast away into the sea. So if he's growing faith that is greater than the mustard seed, what will you do in your next season? But if he can't grow that faith within you, you might not be best positioned for that season that's coming up next. There is a reason for every season. Ecclesiastes says it. There's a time to weep, time to rejoice, time to cry, a time to laugh. A time to reap, a time to sow. It goes on and on. So your low season is not your finish line. Your finish line only comes in when all the promises of God have been fulfilled. So don't stop running halfway through the race. Only because you're thinking, hold on, I didn't sign up for the hurdles. I thought I was doing a 100-meter sprint. These hurdles, and now there's a bend. This isn't it. And God's like, just keep running. Because at the end of it, this is where your medal lies. So why would you take yourself out of the race when God is still cheering you on? He's like, come on. Come on. Stick to it. Hold on to my word. Remind me of my word. Stay close to me. Have refuge in me. All that fear, all that doubt, everything you're thinking about, just have refuge in me. I'll protect you. I'll keep you safe. I will lead you. That's what he wants from us. Because I went over and over the whole story of Joseph. And even in the pit, no, in the prison, sorry. When he was told about dreams, the first mention that came out of his lips was God. The first mention he said was, God, I'll find the scripture for you guys, my apologies. Yeah, he says, our dreams not God's to interpret anyway. Which shows you where his mindset and his heart always was still in the prison. They were still with God. To the point where when he was called upon, that's who he went to. He knew where home was. He knew where his trust was. 
Because sometimes in the pit, you can be like, that's it. You know what? Forget about this. When Joseph was asked, he could have just not mentioned God if he had given up. But he knew God has me. God has you. No matter your season, no matter where you're at, no matter the highs, no matter the lows, he has you. His word is yes and amen. And though you may find yourself in the low points, it says that Joseph still had favor because God's hand was on him. You can be in the valley, but if God's hand is on you, there is nothing that your situation can do to destroy you. To the point where he's in charge of all the prisoners. Nothing happens in prison without his say-so. Is that really a prison? It sounds like you're in control. But God's hand never left. God's hand never leaves you. Though the time the promise seems so far away, though it's not making sense, though you cannot understand, how is this going to work? Lord, how are you going to stitch this together? His hand does not leave you. It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. But you have to walk through it. The valley doesn't disappear and now become roses and ponies and rainbows. You're still in the valley of death. But you don't fear because of who is with you. So what pit do you find yourself in? Don't fear because of who is with you. Your race is not over because the finish line is not there yet. You don't have to give up. Regardless of the situation, God's word is the rock that we have to stand on. He is that firm foundation. And sometimes that's all where we have to keep our focus. To just be like, okay, you know what? I see it. I feel the heat. It is really hot in here. But all I see is Jesus. There is a storm out, but that's fine. All I see is Jesus. Everyone is screaming at me. People are heckling. They are doing whatever they can to harm me. But all I see is Jesus. And in that moment, he'll give you peace. Like we said, God is not a man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it? And he would. He ha, has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? And sometimes that's all we can hold on to. His word. Lord you said it. Lord you said it. Lord you said it. The Bible says to pray fervently. Prayer is just a conversation with him. And you can remind him all the time. But Lord, you said it. Lord, you said it. I think the best analogy I love is when you, I heard Pastor Robbie one time say, we're God's children. And as we love children. They're lovely. But sometimes you tell them one thing and sometimes you regret it, don't you? Because they will remind you even when you forget. <laughs> but you said we're going to do this. You said we were going to go there. You said you were going to buy this. And they will ask so many times to the point where you think the only way I can silence them is I'm just going to give it to them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but is not all earthly relationships supposed to be a reflection of our relationship with God? Yeah. So if we can do that for our own children, what more God doing it for you, his child? Yeah. So don't be scared to ask. Pray fervently. But God, you said. But God, you said. But God, you said. But God, you said, and you can keep going and keep going and keep going. And it says, knock and the door shall be open. Sometimes I'm like, do you have a slow attendee at the door? Because I have been knocking. 
to the point, everything knocking. But the fact is, it's, you can hold on knowing this door is going to be opened regardless. Because he said he'll open the door, so I'm going to trust that he will. But don't give up. Don't get discouraged in just thinking, but it doesn't look like how it should. Because like I said, the Israelites did not know what laid ahead should they have taken the shorter journey. God's perspective is not our own. He sees more than we can see. Your ways are not my ways. So why would we impose our ways off an all-seeing God? He's outside of time and eternity. He sees, okay, if this was to happen the way you want it, three months down the line, it's going to ruin you. Three months down the line, it's going to put you in danger. But it's okay, give me three years. And from there, it's going to be a smooth journey here on out. It doesn't make the wait any easier, but it means though at the end of it, you're protected, you are safe, but the shorter journey would have caused trouble. Isaiah 26, three says, you keep, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. And sometimes that's what we need because we're just like, we're waiting, Lord. I just don't understand. It's not making sense. But like we said, it's keeping your eyes stayed on him. Where are we placing our eyes? Is it on our situation? Is it on what people say? Is it on our own ideas and feelings? Or is it on the word of God? Because sometimes the difficulty is our own feelings and our own thoughts. And I say that being someone who for years, oh, I love to disqualify myself. I loved it. I would always say, hey, Gabe, you should do this. No, it's fine. I'm just the sound guy. <laughs> hey, you should do this. No, it's fine. I'm safe here. Sound desk is my happy place. Leave me here. I'm fine. <laughs> and we do that. It's our own thoughts of how we see ourselves. And when I tell you God had to beat me up in a loving manner with the rod, he says, you know, he disciplines those he loves. And he came down hard and heavy. And that's where he taught me to say, I know what I put within you. So how can you now deny the things that I've given you? And sometimes it's our own thoughts and feelings that we have to put aside and listen into his word to be like, okay, fine. That's, that's the vision you said. That's the prophecies I've been given. But if those are the prophecies I've been given, I'm going to need you to help me walk through it. But you have to remove yourself out of the way sometimes. Because sometimes we're the person in God's way. Nobody else, us. Because that's just too much for me. I'm not ready for that. And God says, but I created you. It's my spirit that will empower you anyway. It's never about you doing it in the first place. Because when you start doing it from a sense of yourself, now you're trying to take God out of creation and now that's a dangerous place to be in the first place. So that's when he expects you to keep your eyes on him at all times. And then he leads you through it. So where, where is our focus? Because we can be at the bottom of the pit screaming. Somebody help, somebody help. And God says, just wait, just wait. But Lord, it is dark, it's smelly, it's wet, I'm cold, I'm hungry. And God says, yes, but your enemies are surrounding this well. I need to give time for them to move and then I'll free you. So you can be protected in your dark places. But sometimes we think because it's dark and it's messy, I shouldn't be here. 
But that's not always the perspective. Is it your perspective or is it God's perspective? And it's trusting. You see everything. You know everything. So though I don't understand it, and that's fine to say to God because sometimes things won't make sense to us. But we then just have to remind him, okay, my ways are not your ways. You know better. You see more than I see. So right now, I'm just trusting you. And that is a beautiful prayer to say to God. To just say, you know what? This doesn't make sense. I'm not sure I agree, but I trust you. Because that shows him exactly what he wants to see. You trust me. In this moment, you are ignoring everything else and you're just focused on me. Which is what he wants in the first place. And as it says, that's where you find the peace of mind. Because when you're looking at a man who is peace, everything else just quietens down. Everything else just quietens down. Because he is the peace. He then gives you the courage, the boldness, the excitement to know, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. And then sometimes it can be scary when you look the other side. Peter did it when he stepped out of the boat. He was fine. He was great. Walking on water. I got this. And then he took his eyes to the side. And he starts to sink. And God says, just focus on me. I called you out. And as long as you stay focused on me, you'll stay afloat. Forget what goes on around you. Forget the storm that's going around you. Forget the depths of the sea that's underneath you. You will peacefully walk across it as long as you're focused on me. So though it shouldn't look like this, God is saying it might not look like how you want it to look, but it's not the end. I'm not finished. You're not finished. We're not finished. Because it's a partnership. Our Christian walk is a partnership where God uses every single one of us to fulfill his will on this earth. So he says we're not finished because he needs our obedience to be able to listen and do what he says. So when he says we're, we're not finished, trust me, look to me. Don't worry about your situation because we're not done. So what is your pit? What is your pit? What may feel like your prison? What may feel like the accusations that you don't deserve? What may feel like you're not worthy? Like you're not called to it? It's not for you. What is it for you where you're like, it, this doesn't make sense. It shouldn't look like this. Because God said, if I'm leading you and I'm with you, we will still get to where and everything that you go through will be done for the good of those who love him. So you love him. Everything you go through is done for your good. It is done for your good. If you've listened to his instructions and done what he said and you find yourself in a pit, in a prison, wherever, though you may feel like you're on death row, if you followed his instructions, he's keeping you safe. His hand is on you. He is still with you. So there are some prayer points that I wanted to cover before I finish. And the first one is, we're going to pray for those who feel like they just need to realign their focus. The journey to the promise has looked different from what you expected. 
and the promises you received, but God is saying the vision never tarries. It's for an appointed time. Though he said it, will he not do it? We say his promises are yes and amen. And sometimes in those tough seasons, it's a bit harder to remember that because every other voice just sounds so loud. Well, today God's saying we're quieting down every other voice. And today it's about my promise, my words and my voice. For what I've called you to, for what I've spoken over you, for who I say you are, nothing else matters. No situation, no opinions of people, no opinions about yourself. Everything comes subject to my word. Everything. So just off that first prayer point, Father, we just pray for everyone right now who feels like they need to realign their focus. We just want to thank you that you're reminding us that the vision never tarries. That it is for an appointed time. And we want to thank you that we can just lean in and trust to know that if you said it, it's going to happen. The race is not over. We just got to keep running. That even in our darkest moments, even in our times of fear and doubt, you continue to be with us. You never leave. So right now we just focus on you and you alone. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just give us that faith to really lean in. When every other voice tries to tell us, just give up. To know that, no, we don't have to give up because it's not over. God is not a man, so he cannot lie. He won't change his mind. If he said it, he's going to do it. So if this is what he said, this is what I'm going to stand on and this is what I'm going to believe. Amen. And then secondly, we're going to pray for a peace of mind. In your waiting season, your thoughts have tried to run riot. Thoughts of doubt, thinking it's just not going to happen, and thoughts of trying to make the promise happen yourself. Like we said, this happened with Abram and Sarah. And though Ishmael was blessed, he was not the son of the promise. And God wants you to experience the fullness of this promise. So trust him and don't try to make it happen yourself. Let him lead you and let him guide you. Because the vision is on its way. So Father, we just want to thank you for a peace of mind over every single person here. That though we have waited, Lord, we just repent for the times we've tried to make it happen ourselves. The times we've tried to make sense of things. The times we thought, well, surely if I do it this way, then I'll see the promise come. But right now, we just let go of all control. And we say, you have your way. You take control. Lead us. Because your ways are not our ways. You see more than we do. You know better than I do. So right now, I just pray for a peace of mind. For everyone who may hear a ticking clock in their head, who may see the darkness of the pit, who feels the weight of the chains in the prison. I pray that right now may there just be a freedom that just lifts over every single person right now. That it's not about human time, it's not about your own time, it's about God's time. And we can just trust. So I just pray for that. I don't know, I can't get, get it out of my head, but that ticking clock that's going on in, in anyone's head. I just pray for a release, for a peace. To know that God has promised and it is coming. Amen. Oh, amen. Okay. 
And then the last one is, sometimes you may think, well, I'm still waiting for direction. I'm still really waiting to hear what God wants me to do or where he wants me to go. And like we said, it's pray fervently. And today, we're, got, we're all going to come into agreement for each other that no matter what your prayer is, if you're seeking direction, as it was said earlier, if you're seeking direction or you need clarity, we're going to come in agreement that you hear the voice of God and you get that direction that you need. So Father, we want to thank you that your word says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. So we want to thank you that we can bring every single desire to you, every single hope, every single decision, and that you will lead us in the way that is best for us. So for everyone, Father God, who is still waiting for an answer to their prayers, I want to thank you that that answer is coming, Father. That whether it comes through dreams, whether it comes through a word, whether it just comes through, however it comes, Father, we want to thank you that the answer is coming. And your word says, you know, you'll always confirm. So for anyone who then thinks, well, was that just me? Was that just a silly dream? Maybe I'm wrong. I want to thank you that, Father God, there will be a confirmation of witnesses that will come in and say, no, I think you should do this. God said you should do that. So we just pray that you lead every single one of us. Show us where you want us to go. Show us what you want us to do. Align our relationships. Align our professions. Our callings, our purpose, everything. We just pray that everything comes into alignment with you. And that you lead us through it all. And Father, we just want to thank you for this time. We want to thank you for this evening together. We want to thank you for the word that you have spoken. It's just to remind us that we are never alone, regardless of how the season or situation looks. But that even in the prison, you can still be with us so that we can find favor in a place that we should be held captive. I pray that as we now go our separate ways, you just give us peace. You give us hope. You grow. You help us grow in faith to know that though the vision never tarries, it is for an appointed time. It is on its way. And if God said it, I can believe it. It's going to happen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Gabe. And uh, if any of those things that uh, Pastor Gabe spoke on this evening really touched you, uh, then as we close, we're going to have the ministry team come up and uh, come and get prayer. That as, you know, as we were praying as a group, that there are those who want to stand with you in faith and in expectation for what the Lord's going to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. So let's stand and let's, uh, let's close in worship.